a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. This is Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Nordview. These are the stories of Rachel Syriax, Rosanna Forcom, and April Geyer. Rachel Lucille Syriax is the mother of three children. She was last seen at her job at Performance Pets in Mitchell, South Dakota on the morning of November 11, 2013. She was seen driving a black and gray 1995 Chevrolet Silverado pickup with the license plate 4CH634. Rachel was in the process of getting a divorce from Bradley Syriax. She had filed a protective order against him in August, and at that time she reported that domestic abuse had been an issue in the past. She didn't attend the court hearing, so the order was dropped. Brad was ordered that he needed to stay away from Rachel. However, it was Rachel who picked Brad up when he was let out of jail on November 12th. Rachel has not been seen since. Rachel lived in Woonsocket, a very small town with a population of 655 people. It sits in the southeast corner of South Dakota with Highway 34 and County Road 19 crisscrossing the center. In December 2013 or January 2014, they found Rachel's pickup in Huron, about 25 miles from Woonsocket. The pickup had severe damage to the undercarriage. Rachel was known to frequent the communities of Huron, Sioux Falls, Mitchell frequently, so it wasn't a complete surprise that her vehicle was found in Huron. When Rachel went missing, so did a special pink, green, and white quilt. The quilt was made specifically for her and given to her once he was, she was released from jail on drug charges. It is believed that when Rachel is found, this quilt will be with her. Since Rachel's disappearance, her three children have been adopted by other people. So they, they, don't, they didn't go with dad? No, at the time that she disappeared, it, it seems as if the kids were in foster care at that time. Oh, okay. It sounds like both of them have had a drug issue. Sure. And so the, the children were not with them at okay. the time. But Brad is considered the prime suspect in Rachel's disappearance. He has not done anything to attempt to clear his name, according to the South Dakota Department of Criminal Investigation, Tyler Newhart. In 2017, four years after Rachel disappeared, Brad spent a year in prison for a third offense violation of a protective order with his new girlfriend. This case remains unsolved, and authorities believe that Rachel is deceased. Rachel Lucille Syriax will be 37 years old today. She is a Caucasian female with dark blonde hair and hazel eyes. She stands about 5 foot 5 and weighs 140 pounds. Rachel has numerous tattoos, including the name Brad or Bradley in black script, on the left side of her neck, a blue Playboy Bunny logo on, on her left hip, a black tribal heart on her lower back, and designs of two large red flowers, stars, trees, and, the, and initials on her right forearm. Rachel has a dimple on her right cheek and a surgical scar on her abdomen. If you have any information about the disappearance of Rachel Syriax, contact the Sanborn County Sheriff's Department at 605-796 so why was the protective order dropped? 
so in Keith County anyway, um, if a petitioner files an order for protection, they have to show up to the court hearing to basically say, this is why, more, more about why I need this. I need to come in front of you to, to, to show you that this is what I need. So if you don't show up to the court hearing, it in a way lets the judge know that you must not need this anymore. It must not be as um, vital, um, uh, serious of a situation. Right, it must not be as serious as you maybe thought it was. Maybe your circumstances have changed now and you don't need this. Um, but the reality is, is that I think for, for the most part, it's terrifying to go to court to face your abuser um, and it can be intimidating just the thought of having to do that face to face right even though there's even if there is a desperate need for this order um, it can be terrifying to, it, it's just one more barrier that victims are faced with well it, I can I can just liken it to um, you know when your mom gives you the look, yeah, the look that that's something between a, a parent and a child. I, my mom's look was very clear. I understood it very clearly what she meant, and I would imagine that in a in an abusive relationship, you have similar um, nonverbal communication between each other, and so um, there there seems like there would be a lot of reasons why you would drop an order or not show up for the hearing. Yeah. Is there always a hearing? Not always. Um, so if, if the petition maybe wasn't clear enough, um, then the judge wants you to come in and say, okay, here's more about why I need to have this order. Uh, because it's very different, a judge just reading what's on paper right. than seeing you face-to-face. -face. Um, or if there were children involved, which there were, whether she put those children on the order for protection or not, who knows. But if she did, then the judge wants to know, okay, if you're going to restrict this father from seeing his children, how can, we, how can he see them in a safe manner? So whether that's somewhere, whether that's with somebody, um, there has to be a way for him to be able to see his children. Okay. And given that it's safe, obviously. Right, right. Like supervised visitation right, or something right. like that. Okay. So uh, there wasn't a lot of information about this story, and I, that it makes me very sad. It makes me very sad because it's this is kind of typical. After been, you've been doing this for you know months and months and months, and you see this that that a victim who has imperfections, like a drug addiction, or like a history of running away, or like um, bad taste in men, just generally, um, that their cases aren't taken as seriously. And I, I'm not saying that Sanborn County didn't take this case seriously, right? but there's nothing. There's nothing. There was a rumor that um, she was buried in a well. And, you know, I, I'm sure that they followed up on that and looked into it, but it's just, it's just maddening when it's a, it's, somebody can just, uh, a, a, that a person could be disposable. And um, 
the rest of the world goes on without us. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I think that it's it's upsetting too that the part about her having a drug issue or going to jail is now all of a sudden more important than maybe some other details about her that would have that could be helpful. You know why why do we have to talk about that part when we could talk about here were maybe some of her friends or right. here were places that she frequented or these are some of her skills or her talents right. or anything. It's well, it's hard to read some of these stories when there's so little information because I, I just and some of it's negative and some of it's negative when that's not helpful in finding it might be it it might be well, I it mean could I think be. it could be in that based in that, on who they could have been with right. or where they could have been right. yeah however we don't have the information about um um her personality her her friends her you know loyalty to family we don't have any information right. about that and it feels like it that one person's life 30 years on this earth gets summarized in a one page document which is it makes me sad it makes me yeah. sad and it also is um I, it's just it's such a small part of who that person was right yeah and i wanted to talk to you about about why why would she go and pick him up from jail well i think part of it obviously i don't know her situation but part of it could be um the manipulation and the abuse that she had suffered so you know victims can be um kind of brainwashed in a sense that you know nobody's going to believe you you can't do any better than me um you need me to survive um the cops are my friends uh, you know whatever it might be and so she probably felt intimidated and she probably felt threatened that if she didn't go pick him up there would be consequences. There would be consequences. And again, I don't know her story or his story or anything, but... Um, Is it surprising? No. Oh. It's not surprising. It's not surprising that she didn't show up to that court hearing even. Because if she didn't pick him up, if she did go to that court hearing, there could be some serious consequences from him. Right, either through him or through someone else. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Well, and it doesn't, you know, it, that, that's the part that I think is so difficult is it doesn't make sense. No. It's crazy making. Because on the outside looking in, you think, how could this person stay with this guy? How could this person go back? How, how could she go pick him up from jail after he was just arrested for hurting her? Mm -hmm. um, but, but it's what she's become used to. Mm -hmm. It's what she knows can happen also. Right. So it's it's how she has survived. Right. An abusive relationship. Yeah. Is anticipating his reaction and well, and acting in a way that is not that is counterintuitive. Right. Once well, he's and again, this is general. This isn't this isn't case specific cuz I don't know that case, but mm -hmm. again, the abuser is is usually male. Um statistics show it's usually a male. But the abuser has made it clear that Whatever happens to me, if I go to jail, if I get in trouble, it's your fault. It's because of what you made me do to you. I think those, those are the two things that I really wanted to just talk about with this because um, it's, it just gives us a chance to talk about 
talk about that. And conveniently, she's nowhere to be found and he doesn't have to deal with her anymore. However, he continues to have a pattern of behavior that shows that he is abusive to women and he right. does not follow the law and he does not respect another person. Rosanna Rose Borcom was 15 years old in 1998. In the summer of that year, she had just completed a program for juvenile offenders due to truancy from school. She lived in St. Cloud, Minnesota with her father and little sister. April Geyer was 21 years old in 1998. She was living in Malacca, Minnesota with her child. Malacca is about 30 minutes from St. Cloud. April had been feeling depressed since the death of her boyfriend a year earlier. Rosanna and April were good friends. They were known to take off together for extended periods of time, but they always called their families shortly after they left, and they always came back. There's six years difference between the two women. Yeah, I couldn't find anything to say why they were good friends um, or how they knew each other. I'm not really sure. On the night of August 14th, 1998, Rosanna and April left April's house to go to a party in St. Paul. They disappeared after attending that party. It doesn't say where the party was exactly, and it doesn't mention that others saw them there. It was reported that they may have been hitchhiking after the party. They were never seen again. Both Rosanna and April's families reported them missing. It seems, though, that because they were known to take off, it wasn't taken very seriously. There isn't much about the case until 2000 when a confidential informant told the St. Paul police that he knew what happened to Rosanna and April. He said two men met the girls at the party and they brought them to an apartment in St. Paul and strangled them. He said he helped take the bodies to farmland outside of Wadena, Minnesota, and buried them near a stream. St. Paul police questioned the informant's credibility but took it serious because of the information he provided. Police and the BCA searched and excavated the area. Allison Fay from the Jacob Wyoming Resource Center told KSTP News in 2016 that, quote, they brought in volunteers with dogs, with helicopters, and with horses. It was a huge undertaking, unquote. Allison was at one of the searches. Although they didn't find the women, they did find an old burn pile. Allison said, quote, I do know one part of the story is true because I identified some items that were from the supposed place where they brought their belongings and burned them. The BCA brought pictures of the burned charred items and I identified a few of the items in the pictures, unquote. They were obviously looking in the right area. April's mother hired an expert who used his own search dog. But as of reading the story, I didn't find anything else to suggest that expert found more clues as to where the women were, at least what's been made public. Until these women are found, the families are left to wait and wonder. Rosanna's father, Daniel, orders a cake every December 3rd for her birthday and invites people who knew her over to keep her memory alive. April's mother is raising her son that she left behind. Both families believe the women were met with foul play. Mille Lacs County Sheriff Brent Lindgren says, quote, somebody may have a small piece of information that could be a break in the case. We've seen it happen in so many cases, unquote. April Geyer was 21 years old when she went missing in 1998. She will be 42 this year. She is described as Native American, 5'2", 140 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She was possibly wearing an oversized black t-shirt and biker shorts or denim shorts. She has a peace symbol tattoo on her left middle finger 
and a heart with wings on her left shoulder. She typically wears her hair pinned back or tied at the nape of her neck. If you have any information about the disappearance of April Dyer, call the Mille Lacs County Sheriff's Office at 320-983-8250. Rosanna Forcom was 15 years old when she went missing in 1998. She would be 37 years old today. She is described as Caucasian, 5'5 to 5'6, 110 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. Her ears are fierce. Rosanna's nicknames are Rose and Rosie. If you have any information about the disappearance of Rosanna Forcom, please call the St. Cloud Police Department at 320-345-4444. And that's literally all that there is on these two women, which is frustrating because that's it. And they were so young. They that were is, so young. There's, they were so young. April's child would be about the same age she was when she went missing. Yeah. The... The, the discussion about uh, that they went to a party in St. St. Paul, which was, uh, I suppose St. Cloud and St. Paul are, what, an hour apart? Yeah. Roughly. And um, at 15, I just, it, my adult self hears this story about this um, 15-year-old girl, and I get scared for her because her behavior is so risky and dangerous to, sounding to me. Um and I, I just, and, and probably from doing this job for the time that I have, it just, so many, um, it just, my, my brain just screams, watch out, watch out, watch yeah. out. Yeah. Um, and, but the part that I, that, that they've just, that their, that their being was, was erased. Right. And that the individuals that were responsible for that, are still out there, have been out there for 20-some years, um, possibly doing this, continue to do this, to the marginalized um, people in our city. Right. And so they just disappear. And there's... But these, these individuals continue to prey on vulnerable, I mean, beings, yeah. for whatever reason. Right. Yeah, it's upsetting. And so you said that there was, that they had, the, the confidential informant had reported that there was, uh, that he had been part of the effort to bury those bodies. And they found something there that indicated that the women had been there or that, well, from what I read, it sounded like the people who harmed them took the girls, the women's belongings to this other place. They I'm assuming close yeah, right. to where this informant said the bodies were um, because they found this burn pile in their search for the women. Um, and what it sounded like was that some of the items that were in the burn pile were identified as potentially as right, the women. That, right, that something were. belonging to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't give specifics about about that. And I, I guess this is a... I don't know the answer to this, but... Um, so can our... I mean, for cremation, um, a body is, 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 is burned as part of the burial process, and, and, and the body is burned. But is the whole body burned? I mean, can you... Would you be able to find... 
things like um, bone or some telling uh, information from, yeah. a, from a burn pile? Yes, I think that you would because I th there, if there would have been bones in that fire pit, they would have found them. And and then and then if there are bones found, is, is there DNA information that could be could be acquired from that? That's you know right. I, I, I don't know the answers to that. Yeah. If, um, you know, if that's something that can be done, but whoever did this, whoever caused these harm to these women, it is still out there living their life. Two people. Two people. Yeah, yeah killed two people. So I have an update from the from episode eighteen. We talked about Sasha Kraus. Uh, she was the Mennonite woman from New Mexico who had gone missing uh, from her home in January, and uh, they they found her body. She it's believed that she was kidnapped and murdered, and she was found two hundred fifty miles away. Um, they're still working on the cause of death and that information. So I just wanted to update our listeners to what happened with that case do we know when they found her what yeah I th it sounds like um they they called the um they called the Krause home to report that the body had been found february 21st okay so that was for us uh, that's just just weeks, weeks ago. ago yep yep and so um yeah there's still a fifty thousand dollar reward for uh for information about about her kidnap and murder, so I think it's important to talk about that because she was transported 250 miles away from her home, and maybe somebody saw something. So Thank I you. just wanted to update you on that. Thank you. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. Okay, for um, our weekly distraction this week, I have quotes that, that made me laugh. Okay. So, so uh, Ellen, this is from Ellen DeGeneres. Never follow anyone else's path unless you're in the woods and you're lost and you see a path. And by all means, follow that path. <laughs> that seems like then a good yes, idea. Follow it. <laughs> seems like a good idea. Good <laughs> advice. Thank you, Ellen. <laughs> My mother used to always say, the older you get, the better you get, unless you're a banana. <laughs> right. That's right. from Rose Betty White of the Golden Girls. Yes. <laughs> or bread. <laughs> or bread. Right. Right. <laughs> Halloween is the beginning of the holiday shopping season. That's for women. The beginning of the sh of the holiday shopping season for men is Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Good Letterman. Does that does that matter what age? Of no, the, you're on. Mm -mm. Okay. So, I don't think so. Ten year old boys, it's still. The same. <laughs> um, clothes make the man. Naked people have little or no influence in society. Mark Twain. <laughs> I I suppose. I suppose that would be true. I think so, yeah. I mean, yeah, good or bad. You're right. not going to be arrested. I don't... You know, well, then how do you take them seriously? And how do you take them seriously? <laughs> right. You're naked.
naked. <laughs> Put some clothes on and then we'll talk. Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away from them and you have their shoes. <laughs> Jack Hanley. <laughs> Seems like a great yeah. idea. <laughs> walk a mile. I love being married. It's so great to find that one special person you can annoy for the rest of your life. <laughs> Rita Rudner. <laughs> that's been my purpose. And I think, really, that's really what you should look for. Um, before you marry a person, you should first make them use a computer with slow internet to see who they really are. And also untangle Christmas lights, I think. <laughs> Will Ferrell. <laughs> yes, I think that, that yes, yes. yes. A, a, a jumbled pile of lights. Yes. And that you, you must make work. Yes. And hang together. <laughs> when your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? It is a mere formality. It doesn't matter if you say yes or no. You're going to get it anyway. Yep. <laughs> Irma Bombeck. <laughs> um, this is Phyllis Diller. I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford. And then I want to move in with them. <laughs> and ruin their lives. <laughs> to leave all my stuff. Scattered all around yep. the house. Stomp yes. some Cheetos into the carpet. Yes, their new carpet. Yep. Their new beige carpet. <laughs> Uh, so this is from this is from the office. Uh, Michael Scott said this. He said, "I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. A little not bit. Super. I walk around like everything's fine, but deep down inside my shoe, my sock is sliding off, and I, my foot is deeply irritated. Which I, I don't. How? How do people? How? I don't know why. I would rip my shoe off. Yes. And fix the sock. Yeah, I don't. In the middle of the street, I don't care. I don't care if I look like I'm crazy. Right, I have to quit walking. I will staple that sock to my <laughs> yes. ankle. Yeah, rubber bands. I cannot have it no. falling off. Twisted, the seam. The seam? Ugh. I know. I don't know what yeah. that says about me, but it's not good. Ugh. It's not good. <laughs> Someone asked me if I was stranded on a desert island, uh, what book would I take with me? I told them how to build a boat. <laughs> Stephen Wright. <laughs> She's dumb. <laughs> you know you've reached middle age when you're cautioned to slow down by your doctor instead of by the police. Ooh. Jolene Willis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I never I never feel more alone than when I'm trying to put sunscreen on my back. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. Yep. <laughs> Marriage is like an unfunny, tense version of Everybody Loves Raymond, but it doesn't last 22 minutes. It's last, it lasts forever. <laughs> Paul Rudd uh, in Knocked Up. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, that's not true. That's true. Common sense is like deodorant. The people who need it most never use it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Some people need to use it more. All right. A good rule to remember for life is that when it comes to plastic surgery or sushi, never be attracted by a bargain. Ugh. Or both. <laughs> Ugh. Graham Norton. I'm at a place in life when errands are starting to count as going out. Me. Oh, me too. Yep. Ah, uh, yeah. It's pathetic. Yeah. But acceptable. Acceptable. <laughs> can you, can you, yeah, I'm going out. Wait, really? Where are you going? Uh, Menards. To the grocery store. I'm going to the grocery store, but I have my fancy shirt on. Right. I have my fancy sweatshirt on. <laughs> the only thing that separates from animals is our ability to accessorize. <laughs> That was yeah. Olivia Dukakis and Steel Magnolias. <laughs> it's true. It's 
Uh, as you get older, three things happen. First, your memory goes, and then I can't remember the other two. <laughs> Sir Norman Wisdom is his oh, name. Oh, interesting. Which, let's... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to read. I'm going to read just a couple more. Um, I never forget a face, but a new face, I'll be glad to make an exception. <laughs> Groucho Marx. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that to you personally. <laughs> A day without sunshine is like funeral night. <laughs> Steve Martin. Yes. My therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So I finished two bags of M&M's and a chocolate cake. I feel better already. All uh, right. Dave Barry. <laughs> my ability to turn good news into anxiety is rivaled only by my ability to turn anxiety into chin acting. Tina <laughs> Fey, Bossy Pants. <laughs> I love my spirit animal. <laughs> Okay, what do you got, sweetie? Those are good. So I have more tweets. Okay. These are 17 tweets that prove kids ask the funniest questions. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read all 17 of those in. My seven-year-old just asked me why mattress companies bother to put a design on the mattress when it's just gonna be covered up by a sheet. And this is a perfect example of the constant qu questions kids ask that make you feel like an idiot. <laughs> yes. Why? Why are there designs on there? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question, son. Yeah. Kids are great. If you like being asked at 6 a.m., why doesn't Moana get sand on her feet when she walks on the seafloor after the ocean splits? 6 a.m. sounds like the perfect time to ask that question. 6 a.m. or 8 p.m. <laughs> as they're going to right, bed. Right. My toddler asked me for a necklacine because she wants both a magazine and a necklace. Genius. Well, Duh. a necklace that you can read. Right. I mean, it's like those, do you remember, do you remember making the paper beads? Oh, yeah. You know, it's yep. shaped like a triangle, and if you could just read it, and you could just roll, roll it back, back up, up and turn it. And it's like, it's like a candy necklace. Yes. Um, but with less calories. Yeah. My daughter asked me to read Frozen as a bedtime story. I'd laugh if I wasn't so concerned about the mind control Disney has over her. <laughs> Seven-year-old, do women get their periods on weekends, too? Me, yes. Seven-year-old mutters to herself, Jesus Christ. What a bummer. <laughs> You're kidding me. Even on the weekends? <laughs> you don't get weekends off? <laughs> For the rest of your life, honey. Right. Just, just so you know. Right. My son asked me why spiders don't get, their, don't get stuck in their own webs. And now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> right, why don't they? My three-year-old son just asked me, can you take me to the Vampire State Building? <laughs> Which is a totally different A like, totally different place. Yeah, we don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> My three-year-old asked me if quesadillas grow on trees, and I was just like, not yet, girl, but dream big. Dream mm. big. Quesadilla tree. <laughs> That's perfect. My preschooler just asked me if we were going to pray to Target today, and now I'm thinking she's really on to something. If we're going to pray to Target today? Yep. We're going to pray to Target. Well, I think that's a great... I need a new duvet. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how I feel as somebody who lives in a town that, that you know, we're two hours from the nearest Target. Right. I love Target. I love Target. <laughs> I dream about Target. That's sad. I know. It's I know. it's okay though. It's true. <laughs> we all do it here. My son just asked me why anyone would want a house phone because they don't even have games on them. 
And then I died of old age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can remember I can remember party lines, which oh sure sound fun, um, and they probably were when I was in second or third grade, and I had nothing to talk about. Well, I knew that they were pretty high tech. Well, party lines, and I don't know what party lines. I mean, party lines to me were that we had we had several people on the same line, and right. so. In an area, and this was in the country, so in the area, five or six or I don't know, a dozen of us had the same line. And um, we, maybe our, our ring was different at the house when it, somebody called out. Oh, but sure. Anyway, but if you were on the phone and you picked up the phone when somebody else was on it, you could hear their entire <laughs> conversation. Sure. So, um, <laughs> uh, which was, I, I wouldn't really consider that a party. However, yeah. it... In the right neighborhood, it could be really fun. Right. I was, I was in second or third grade, so I didn't have anybody to talk to anyway. Or what? Could, what do you talk about? Right. Yeah. And, except for listening to other people's phone conversations. <laughs> if, if um, except for the phone was in the center of the house, <laughs> and it had the a cord that was maybe fifty five feet long. <laughs> yes. Because you stretched it as far as it could go. Just tight. Right. Yep. And you, um, <laughs> and we weren't allowed to use the phone. No, I mean, I mean, somebody had to be dying yeah and uh, uh but yeah but i can't imagine that people had interesting conversations I sure i wouldn't call it a party no but. no not a party if you were on a front row seat to a temper tantrum my three-year-old just asked me for warm ice <laughs> <laughs> my son just asked if i'd pay to watch his stuffed animals fight <laughs> i think he'd be a little too comfortable in a life of crime <laughs> i think so <laughs> Would you pay? <laughs> it's ingenious, though. It is. On this day, July 23rd, 2018, at approximately 6.45 a.m., my four-year-old bulldozed onto my bed until our foreheads touched, and she asked, are you excited for Christmas? <laughs> oh, goodness. In July. Oh, goodness. <laughs> my daughter asked whether I realized that showers were just human-sized sinks. And this is why I don't bother wasting my time talking to grown-ups. Because grown-ups are so boring. <laughs> yes. And that's all I have for this week. For this week. Well, we'll, we'll do it again next week. Sounds good. Okay.